0: hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS cast. I'm joined by a special guest. His name is Todd Brown. We're going to get into some marketing stuff today and I gotta say I'm super excited because I love getting into kind of under the sheets of marketing, going into the more uh, you know detailed psychology and triggers and stuff that are under there where the magic happens. I know Todd's super into that. Uh, he's a super authentic dude. He's into uh, strength training as well as being an awesome marketer. He's a community builder. He's well-respected in this
1: industry. Welcome to the show, Todd. Thank you, man. Super excited to to be here and uh, excited to nerd out with you, man.
0: Yeah. Well, let's nerd. Um, In marketing, there's something called the big idea. So if somebody's kind of newish to marketing, what is the big idea?
1: Yeah. So let's take a step back for one second. And so... The, the the first time I heard the big idea or about the big idea and the importance of the big idea was from a gentleman named Mark Ford. Many folks may know of Mark under his pen name, uh, which is Michael Masterson. He's written, I think today he's got like eighteen different, uh, eighteen published books, many of which are New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestsellers. Mark is really the guy behind one of the biggest companies in the world of direct response marketing, a company, uh, the Agora Companies. They they do about $1.5 billion a year, just a behemoth of a company. And Mark was really the marketing genius behind that company. So one day, many years ago, I asked Mark, I said, Mark, how did you help this company grow like so big? Like our, Mark came aboard with them and it started helping them grow. And they were like a $10 million company with the um, the founder of the company, Bill Bonner, and grew to this, to this crazy behemoth. At the time, I think when I was asking him this question, they were doing several hundred million dollars. And I fully expected Mark to say that they were able to grow so fast because of their copy chops or because they've ha- they had a monster list or they had deep pockets or they were able to drive a tremendous amount of traffic. And Mark didn't say any of that to me. He looked at me and he said, Todd, the reason why we were able to grow so big and so fast is because we realized early on that we are all really in the idea Business. We're in the business of developing and disseminating interesting, compelling, unique, startling, fresh, new ideas. the marketplace and what mark really meant back then which that that one piece of advice of course i i dug deeper with mark but that sent me off on a multi-year journey to fully understand the the big marketing idea which i'll explain what mark was really saying was that behind every marketing campaign every marketing promotion every video every long-form sales letter every promotion for a course a service doesn't matter behind every marketing message is an idea the copy the, the the words, the phrases, the message, the headline of those marketing messages is, is just expressing the idea. But behind every message is an idea. And what Mark was really explaining and what I really went on to learn was that the power of that idea, the quality of that idea is really what ultimately determines the success of a marketing campaign. How good, how compelling, how interesting, how unique, fresh, timely that idea is really ultimately determines the success of the the campaign. So Mark talked about, he said, we look for big marketing ideas, which really to, to kind of boil it down, a big marketing idea is an idea that is both intellectually interesting, right? It makes you want to hear more. You feel like you've just discovered something newsworthy. It gives you the this feeling of aha. Uh, it gives you this feeling that, you know, why have I never heard this before? This sounds true. This sounds interesting, like this is just intellectually interesting. And it is emotionally compelling. It's emotionally compelling because in the idea is uh this, I don't even want to call it a hint, but is this promise of result? In other words, it's an idea that piques the prospects you know, intellect, but also promises them an outcome, a reward, a transformation, a change that they desperately want in a way that they've never heard before. And so, uh, the, to, to kind of just put a, put a a, a, a bow on this, it is important for everybody to understand that before you craft a marketing message, you want to identify, develop, nurture the hook The theme, the angle, and you want that hook, theme, angle, idea to be something new and different that your marketplace hasn't heard before. You see, really quick, without going down a crazy rabbit hole, what happens? You know, there's a lot of a lot of marketing messages out there, a lot of videos, a lot of long-form sales letters that are filled with hyperbolic, exaggerated over the moon copy, copy that just screams of hype and and hyperbole and exaggeration. And it's filled with, you know, adjectives, the steroid like amazing, super fantastic, you know, learning management system, blah, 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 blah. And the reason why is because The uh, one of the reasons why is because the majority of entrepreneurs and marketers are starting with an average idea, an ordinary run of the mill common idea theme hook. And in order to make their stuff sound good, sound um, extraordinary, they have nothing else to do other than use extraordinary words. But when you start with a great idea, when you start with a powerful idea, an intellectually interesting and emotion, uh, emotionally compelling idea, an idea that your marketplace has not heard before, uh, you don't have to use you know uh, hyperbolic language or exaggerated claims. You can let the idea shine through. That's why some copy sounds like copy. It reads like copy. It feels like copy. And some copy, good copy, doesn't. It doesn't because it doesn't have to, because it's based on a good idea. And so does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And
0: uh, I'm an old school internet marketer. And like, if I go back to 2008, I want to pull an example out of you. I think that was the first time I heard Jeff Walker do his product launch formula deal. So I'm looking for what's the big idea there. He had the sideways sales letter. He, he was like a regular dude who had these extraordinary results. Um, And he was just like, you know, he felt like your uncle next door that you could just, you know, do a product launch with like, what's the big idea in that, which obviously works because he's been doing it over and over and helped a lot of people, you know, onboard into the world of marketing and sales.
1: Yeah. So, and Jeff is a good friend of mine. He's a great guy, tremendous marketer, built up a a tremendous business online with um, PLF. I remember when Jeff first hit the scene. um, And so I'm a a fan of Jeff and what it is that he does. So I, I think, you know, this may be hard for some folks to understand, folks that are fairly new to the world of online marketing and only know of, excuse me, Jeff and product launch formula today. You know, today Jeff has Jeff and PLF have so much credibility, clout, so many success stories that you're you know, you're 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 today, many people are buying because they know so many people that have benefited from Jeff's method. Celebrity, when Jeff, if you will. Yeah, celebrity, authority, credibility, track record, all of those things are, are doing a tremendous amount of heavy lifting, rightly so, for Jeff today. Um, as they should. He's earned it, his method warrants it, and so on. Um, but years ago there was this idea that um, that with starting from nothing with no following, no buyers, no other product uh, no you know no joint venture partners you know no connections that you could really generate uh, really a year's worth of sales in a matter of weeks by following this formula which is the um kind of which is which flips the standard marketing approach on its head right and so the idea back then you know first of all flipping the standard common marketing approach on its head doing things very differently from everybody else in and of itself was intellectually interesting always is to the marketplace right a new and different way to do what it is that's 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 being done and then this idea that you could generate a year's worth of sales in a matter of weeks starting with nothing because of this you know a uh, new and different way is emotionally compelling and so at the time that was enough for the marketplace to say what is this what is this about Uh, And that was the, you know, the idea that was unique, fresh, timely, different back then today, not so much because, uh, you know, because of how many people talk about, you know, launches and campaigns, but thankfully Jeff has built up a tremendous following, credibility, authority, expertise, track record, all that stuff. And so the reality is he doesn't need that anymore.
0: Let's talk about the unique mechanism. Um, What is that? And how do you, uh, how do you show up with that?
1: Yeah. So that's my favorite topic today because I feel like that is, um, you know, I, I see how much of a game changer that is for entrepreneurs and marketers. So the way to think about it, again, to give a little bit of context. So number one, differentiation in marketing is critical. People want to know what is Different. They're always looking for different. They're not looking for more of the of the same. That's why you show up at a social event. People want to know what's new, what's different, what's what's happening in your life now that wasn't before, right? People want um, new. They want different. Um, that's why, right? Different gets attention. Better doesn't always get attention. Simply saying right, like this is better than those methods is not enough. What interests people is different. Now, there's only a couple of different ways that you can differentiate what it is that you are are doing or offering in terms of your product or service. One of the original ways of differentiating is with what's called a a unique selling proposition or USP. USP was something that was first kind of pioneered or, or first popularized by one of the old school direct response marketers, Rosser Reeds. And really the simple way to understand a USP is it is when a product or service offers a unique benefit. So when there is a benefit that the marketplace could enjoy from your product or service that they can enjoy from a competing product or service, you have a unique selling proposition. But today, a unique selling proposition is rare. You typically only see it with disruptive technologies, like when rideshare, like Uber first hit the scene, right? And you no longer needed to have cash. You no longer needed to um, to hail a cab, right? You could see when the, the driver would show up. There were ratings, right? You didn't have to tip like at the time, all, all that stuff. Those were unique benefits that you could only find in Uber, that of course is no longer the case, thanks to Lyft and whatnot. When Netflix went all online to a streaming service, right? That was a disruptive technology. There was a you know, they had multiple unique selling propositions in there. Like you you had a whole library of of videos, you could start one right away. You didn't have to return any DVDs or Blu-rays or anything like that but a usp is extremely rare in the majority of markets today and so if your product or service doesn't offer a unique benefit how what else can you do to differentiate well what a lot of marketers and entrepreneurs try to do is they try to simply enlarge their claim they try to make a bigger promise right and we see this all the time and this is of course what brings about this hyperbolic exaggerated just overblown bombastic copy right? Like get, get Facebook followers or Facebook fans, get a thousand Facebook fans, get 10,000 Facebook fans, get a million Facebook fans. What happens though in every marketplace is one, if you enlarge the claim more, you're either lying, right? Like you're lying. And so unethical it's wrong. Um, or you reach a point where it's no longer believable and credible, right? If we said, if we, if we came out with a pill and we said, take this pill and you could lose a hundred pounds in one week, um, right. Very few people are going to believe us whether it's true or not. Right. And so you've got USP, rare, you've got enlarging claims, it, it, it only works right for a certain period of time, whether it's true or not. And so what you're left with is, is differentiating through how your product or service works uniquely to deliver the result. So let me take a step back and say, at the root of all effective marketing campaigns has to be a promise of transformation, a result of the outcome of change. Ultimately, all products and services are purchased because people are trying to solve a problem. That problem could be the existence of a pain point that they want to get rid of, or it can be an unfulfilled, unmet need or desire. Either of those, both of those are considered a problem. And ultimately, what people want, why people are buying products and services is to solve a problem. And so a unique mechanism is when you are able to articulate what is different about the way your product or service is able to solve that problem, is able to deliver the result, the outcome, the transformation. And so the beauty is that unless you are selling a pure commodity, like a glass of tap water, it really just takes a little bit of work and understanding to identify the unique mechanism within what it is that you do, whether you are selling courses, whether you're selling information products, whether you're doing consulting, coaching, you have an agency, you sell a piece of software, you, you, know, you are able to identify the unique mechanism. You're able to identify how your product or service works to deliver the result. The beauty is that once we identify that, which takes a little bit of digging, it takes a little bit of what I call interrogating and work, and then we're able to name it, right? which has been done since the beginning of time in commerce, what that does is that allows us to now create a marketing message that is education-based, meaning that we're able to go to the market and say... You want to do X, Y, Z. You want to eliminate X, Y, Z problem. Well, we've got a new and different way for you to eliminate that problem. And that new and different way is superior to every other way. And here's why. Here's how it works. Here's why it works. Here's why it performs better in these particular areas. Here's why this is the perfect solution for you, right? So we're able to take that mechanism, the way that that our product or service works, and without talking about the product or service, but just by talking about the mechanism, the method, the framework, the system, the process, we're able to educate prospects, showing them why it's not only different, but superior, and ultimately in the process, then creating demand for our product before we ever even talk about the product. So before we ever even introduce or offer the product, we're first getting buy-in on the mechanism. The mechanism is what they can experience when they buy the product, right? And so we get buy-in on the method, the, the formula, the process, get people to recognize that's the process. That's what I need. That's what I've been missing. That's what I've been lacking all along. That's the way to go. I want that. And then- when we, we, you, you segue into, well, that's why we put together X, Y, Z course. We call it, you know, LMNOP so that you can experience this unique mechanism yourself. Let me tell you everything you get with it, what it'll do for you, how quickly it works and blah, blah, blah. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And just to make sure I lock in the learning and for the audience, I have a friend named Chris who put on a mastermind retreat, by the way, combining those two words is a little bit unique. And he did it in Mexico in Cabo. And he, um, He did it where all the meetings were in the pool and uh, some of the time was unstructured. It was multiple days. It was just like a little different from a business conference. So is that kind of an example of a unique mechanism where it's a, it's not like a boardroom at a hotel. This is like,
1: um. If so, it could be. It's. It's. So let's say this. Remember that. That put the unique mechanism in context. So the unique mechanism. Remember is how does your product or service uniquely deliver the result, the outcome, the change, the transformation. So let's say that in your friend's case. He was, he was meeting with business owners and this mastermind retreat was about experiencing breakthroughs in how you grow your business. Like you're going to walk away at the end of this with, you know, a breakthrough on how to multiply your revenue and profits. Which happened. Yeah. yeah, Which I'm sure, right? Like that. Yeah. 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 Right. And so, and if he said that, if he presented it as, uh, that, The 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 reason why is because we're going to be in a setting which creates less mental blocks, which stimulates ideas, which which stimulates creativity, deeper thinking and more generosity in sharing between people and all of those things in combination leading to more and better ideas shared with you about your business and how to grow. That would be an example of how you could take that and potentially position it as a unique mechanism. The key is to see how, remember, the unique mechanism is how your product or service or event, whatever you want to call it, delivers the promise. So let me give you a more, a more of a uh, kind of a foundational and easier example to, uh, to understand. So if we had a supplement, uh, that you could take to lower blood pressure, right? And we said it lowers blood pressure by X amount and X period of time. It does it without damaging the liver or blah, blah, blah. It's not tough on your gastrointestinal tract. And unlike medications, it's got no side effects, blah, 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 blah. And we said, right, the secret, the power in this supplement is in the unique formulation called OP. And it works on a different Uh, by a different system in your body than the typical supplement or medication does. The formulation in this supplement triggers, you know, chemicals in your brain that help to relax blood vessels and therefore lower blood pressure, blah, blah, blah. And that's why it's so effective. See how what we're talking about is that formula, that formula, which in that little example, I never told you what the formula was, but that formula is the reason why the supplement works the supplement could be called blood pressure supplement right like it could be a goofy name it could be a boring name right and and it works because of this xyz formulation in there, and it's that XYZ formulation that is responsible for why this supplement is able to lower blood pressure. So, again, you see how it's the reason why your product or service is able to produce the result, the outcome, the transformation. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Thank you. Appreciate that. And you're the creator
0: of the E5 method, which you can get at e5bundle.com. I was watching a video on your YouTube channel, Todd, and you were, you were, um, you were talking about showing up different and what was it called the simple selling saga and yeah. in that video real quickly you mentioned uh i think it was the e5 method where you talked about the unique promise the primary promise the sin offer the argument and the thesis yeah and well let's let's get into that is that the e5 structure right there and and if so like go please elaborate what is yeah, e5? so
1: so e5, first of all, to give a little context so that this answer makes sense, is um is a five-step process. For and I'll go through this very very quickly. So is a is a five step process for engineering a single evergreen campaign, meaning a campaign that you can use into perpetuity to acquire new buyers, new clients, new students, new customers day in and day out with consistently consistency. So like repeatability, reliability, that sort of thing. And so the five steps. Step one is what we call the examine stage, and that's really like for lack of a of a of a better word, you could refer to it as research right we have to understand our prospects our competitors and the product or service that we're promoting and so that's all about understanding what does the market want their emotions their feelings their beliefs what's their current state their after state all that it's about understanding what your competitors are saying doing presenting their mechanisms their ideas as well as their offers and then of course using those two things we're then able to look at the product or the service to identify what we then need to say to the market based on the product and based on what we know the market wants and based on what we know they're already hearing from competitors. Then we go into to, to stage two, which is the engineering stage. This is where we engineer what is referred to as an E5 campaign. And the core components of an E5 campaign are the big idea, uh, and part of the big idea is primary promise and unique mechanism those are parts of the big idea so the big idea is how we get attention how we stand out and have something different rather to say rather than just contributing to the noise in the market that's how people are able to you know get get their ads get engagement on their ads get clicks on their ads get visitors to their website right by cutting through that noise Then we've got the lead, which is the capital L, which is the first 350, um, 400, 500 words of a campaign, whether it's a video, whether it's a webinar, whether it's a long-form sales letter. And the whole purpose of that lead is to set the emotional hook by unpacking a little bit about the unique mechanism and the primary promise. So we're turning the engagement that we got from the, excuse me, the, the attention that we got from the idea into engagement with the lead. From there, we go into an argument, the argument portion of the, that's the education portion of the campaign. And the purpose of the education um, portion of the campaign is to ultimately prove that the unique mechanism that we're talking about is not only different, but it's superior to every other method, mechanism, framework out there for the prospect to experience the result. And that's what we call the thesis, meaning the thesis is usually some form or fashion that the unique mechanism is the superior way for the prospect to experience the outcome that they want. Once we've used the campaign argument, to lead the prospect to accept the thesis, then we segue into the introduction of a SIN offer, which is just an offer to get the product or service that makes it easier for the prospect to say yes than it is for them to say no. And that's what we do in stage two of E5. And then stage three of E5 is where we take that, that the the E5 campaign, we turn it into a minimum viable funnel, which is really just four pages and we roll it out to the marketplace to evaluate um, the profitability of it. After we do that and we prove the profitability, then we enhance that minimum viable funnel, turning it into a full blown campaign. And then we bring it over to the expand stage. And that's where we expand the reach, meaning that's where we drive more and more traffic into the campaign to acquire more and more buyers. And so that's a big, broad, fast overview of the E5 method.
0: I love that. So what when you when the E5 method drops in and like fixes a customer acquisition channel or funnel or establishes it for the first time, what is it replacing that is not as good? Or or what is uh what is often the big mistake the market makes instead of kind of using this method?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, man. I I think that number one, I would say this to just be really accurate, that typically An E5 campaign is not, or the E5 method is not used to try to improve an existing campaign. Like typically, really honestly, uh, there are typically just too many issues with, with the campaigns that folks are using. Like they've been taught to just talk about their product, right? Talk about the benefits of their product, talk about what makes their product so great, right? Which is not even really marketing. That's really selling, Um, And so typically what we're doing is we're taking somebody that either hasn't engineered their first campaign yet, or they've tried a lot of things and they've, they've yet to get to a point where they're able to acquire buyer's. Clients, customers every day, right? And what we do is we create a new campaign. And what that new campaign does for them, it does a number of, of different things. Number one, it and this is kind of it it takes care of things that they're they're typically struggling with right now, which is why they're not getting the results that they want right now in terms of daily, consistent, you know, new buyers, new clients number 1 it um number 1 it gets them attention even in a crowded and saturated marketplace in other words it ensures that they're marketing that they're that they have an idea that stands out that gets attention that drives Um, clicks. You can't convert anybody if you don't first get their attention. And it does it in a way that is compliant. So today, a lot of the platforms like Facebook and YouTube and Google, they're cracking down more and more on the typical hypey, exaggerated direct response um, copy, right? Much of that you can't even run anymore. Or if you do, if it slips through, you run the risk of having your account banned, turned off, disabled, that sort of thing. And so we're able to get attention in, in the market with an intellectually interesting and emotionally compelling idea in a way that is compliant. And then what we're able to do is we're able to differentiate where we're what this does is this ensures that your marketplace immediately sees what is different and superior about your approach, right? Like about your method, about your process, about your product. So it immediately communicates to them. This is different. This is not what you've heard before, not what you've seen before, not what you've come across before, not what you've tried before. This is something different. Then what it does is it delivers value in the marketing rather than being a pure pitch for a product, right? Like selling, selling, selling rather than just bringing, these are all the benefits about my product, excuse me, which is exactly what prospects in the marketplace expect you to say. But of course they expect you to say all these great things about your product or service. That's what they expect to hear from an advertise, an advertisement or, or, or a marketing campaign or a marketer or a salesperson. What this does is gives you the ability to educate right? It gives you the ability to educate about something new, different, and superior. So you are able to, through your marketing, you're not only able to differentiate and create engagement, you know, attention and engagement, but you're able to establish expert authority you know, positioning. You're able to establish credibility through your marketing message because you're teaching them. You're giving them aha moments. You're giving them this feeling of discovery, but you're not just educating them for education's sake. You're educating them in a way that leads your prospect to want your product or service before you ever even talk about your product or service. So that when you segue into the offer, you no longer have to use these Hard, um, aggressive closing techniques or artificial scarcity or artificial urgency, you've built demand for your product or service before you ever even introduce the offer. And so when you combine it with a SIN offer, the type of formula that we teach our folks, right? The you you get prospects that are grateful for the opportunity to take advantage of the offer, and that's good marketing. Like It was Peter Drucker, one of the greatest management gurus ever, who said that the job, the objective of marketing is to make selling superfluous, to make selling unnecessary, right? Like that's really what he said. That's at the heart and soul of the E5 method, because we're not trying to hardcore close somebody into buying our thing with hyperbolic language, exaggerated claims, and this artificial scarcity and urgency, We're building demand for the product by showing the prospect and proving to the prospect with an education-based message why this new mechanism, method, framework, system, process is the best solution for their need, for their want, for their problem. And we're doing it with education. So they're led on their own to see it as the superior solution. They want it. And then we offer them an opportunity to get it.
0: I love that. So go to e5bundle.com I'm going to be going there and getting a copy of the book. What? Let's go technical and more tactical for a second. What What is this? What are the like kind of components to create one of these campaigns? We've got emails, we've got landing pages, we've got videos. I was listening to you in one of your videos talking about when the video sales letter was novel and sometimes these things are novel for a little bit but then everybody does it and overdoes it and stuff like that. How do you think about the the stack of implementing these, this uh, customer journey, this educational journey and campaign, like, what is this on top of?
1: Yeah. So hang on one second. I want to let my dog out of my office. Yeah. Hang
0: on
1: one sec. All right. So, sorry about that. So, um, so I'm going to answer that question, but I'm going to answer that question likely in a way that uh, you weren't expecting. And that is this I, I really feel like um, that the delivery medium of the message is far less important than what most people think. In other words, most people have been led to believe that the media- They medium, just need a tool. They need a tool. Of some the, kind well, they stuff. think like, you know what, um, it's all about the webinar, right? Like yeah. that I would sell more if I was using a webinar or the people that are using webinars and not seeing conversions, you know, people aren't buying their course or program or product or whatever they think. Well, if I deliver this as a VSL, the answer is in the VSL or the answer is in the long form sales letter. And the reality is it's not the magic isn't in the medium. The magic is in the message, you know, and I I like to compare this to like, look, if you've got a if you have a book and it's a Kindle book, it's a you know, it's a PDF or it's a Kindle book, it's an e-book, whatever, and it's a garbage book, uh, turning it into a hardcover book isn't going to make it a better book. Turning into a paperback isn't going to make it a better book. Changing the size of the book isn't going to make it a better book. The delivery medium of the message doesn't fix the message, right? It what fixes the message is fixing the message. And so, look, if you line up, you know, I, I'm I'm blessed to get to work with, you know, we we've got clients and students today in in something like 66 different countries around the globe. Um, and I'm blessed to get to work with some of the sharpest marketers and entrepreneurs online today, you could line up 10, 12 of my students, clients, some of the most popular folks out there that you know, and you'll find some that rely on webinars, some that rely on video sales letters, some that rely on email, some that rely on Facebook Messenger, some that rely on Facebook groups, some that rely on, you know, on direct mail. Um, and that's because it's not about the medium of delivery. Now, there may be some nuances depending on the demographic that you're dealing with, but it's really not about the um it's not about the delivery medium it's about the message and when you've got a good message that message can be delivered as a webinar as a vsl as a direct mail piece as a uh all in email um right and you might see some nuance like some some slight changes in conversion but you're not going to you're not going to bring something from a, a zero to a hero simply by changing the medium uh you got to fix the message and so you got to make sure that you've got the right like Oftentimes, man, what people are doing just to cut through the the flow, what people are doing they're starting with an ordinary idea, like a run of the mill, like how to grow big tomatoes, and and what they're trying to do is they're they're trying to instead how to grow big tomatoes, how to grow huge tomatoes, how to grow humongous tomatoes, how to grow humongous gigantic you know tomatoes, how to grow gorgeous humongous tomatoes. None of those things, none of those word changes, um, change the idea. They might change the expression of the idea, the way that we're talking about the idea, but they don't change the underlying idea. The underlying idea is still the same old boring idea of how to grow big tomatoes. That's the first thing. When you bring an ordinary idea to the table, it's difficult to get attention, right? Not enough entrepreneurs and marketers think about why should people even listen to you? Why should they click on your ad? What, what new information, new insight, new aha are you going to give them or are you bringing more of the same? And does your stuff sound just like everybody else's stuff, right? Like it's too many people take for granted attention clicks. They think that because they publish something online that people are going to listen or people are going to read or people are going to engage there's a reason why lots of people, when they 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 put up a video sales letter and then they look at their analytics, they see that 80% of the people dropped off within the first 18 seconds because they had nothing new, nothing different, nothing emotionally compelling, nothing intellectually interesting, nothing that said to the to the to the audience, this is different. This is what you've been missing, this is new, right? This is timely, none of that. And then of course, like when you get to the heart of it people struggle because they're making outrageous claims and they're giving zero support, zero evidence for that. And they think that just because they're claiming, right, this product can grow you big tomato, this product can, can grow you green grass and a, and a gorgeous lawn, and this product will do this for you and this for you and this for you. They think that today all they've gotta do is just make and present a bunch of claims and promises. But anybody today online and, and, and markets, people know this. Anybody online can claim anything. Today, when you make a claim, you need to have support. You need to have evidence. You need to have proof. You need to, at a bare minimum, give a reason why your prospect should recognize it's true. If you say this works quickly, right? you have to be able to follow that up with. And the reason why is because blah, 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 blah right? This is easy to use. And the reason why is because blah, 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 blah. This can work for anybody. And the reason why is because you have to give support. And so most people have messages that are just non, they're they're not believable. And so they're making a bunch of claims. They're stating a lot of benefits. They're following the typical approach and they don't understand why people are buying. Well, when the people that they do get the attention from, and they do, they are able to create engagement. They just don't believe them. They don't believe that, that that they'll experience the the results because there's very little evidence um, presented. As I said, there's also, there's little differentiation, right? There are people that are kind of, you know, they're, they're, what their marketing is, they're trying to market, mine is better. I'm going to teach you Facebook advertising, but the way that I'm, I'm going to teach you is better. And that's a mistake, right? Because what people want is different. They don't want better. They want different because it's a weird thing. How people don't want better, they want different. Often they feel that different is better. They just don't don't want just the ordinary, but a better version of the ordinary. They want something different, hence the value of the unique mechanism. So I I could go on, but I'm rambling here. And so did that answer the question?
0: That did answer the question. Let's go deeper. I just want to pull out a part you mentioned about an emotionally compelling hook. Do you have like an example of that or kind of tease that out of how, in a, in a campaign, in the sequence, you really get that emotional hook set. Like what's an example of that?
1: Well, so when we're talking about the lead of a campaign, which is the first 350, 400, 500 words, first of all, the idea of a lead, capital L E A D, sometimes it's spelled L E D E, it really comes from journalism. And what, you know, if you've ever heard the expression, don't bury the lead, right? And the burying the lead is this idea of taking the most compelling aspect of the story, the heart and soul of the story, and putting it, you know, five paragraphs in or putting it in the middle or putting it towards the end right? What they're talking about is you lead with the juiciest bit. You lead with the most exciting, most compelling, most interesting bit of the entire thing. And so when we're talking about the lead of your campaign, you've got to recognize that the purpose of the opening of your campaign is to first get your prospect emotionally excited. You've got to recognize that that people that that the heart dictates what the head looks for in other words the head the intellect looks for justifications for what the heart wants right and so like when we want something then our mind goes to work justifying why we should get it and why it's a smart purchase and why it's cool for what we get and why we can afford it and and all that stuff so the heart comes first right and so you've got to, Quote unquote, market to the heart or convince the heart or, or get the heart on board first. And so the purpose of the lead is to set that emotional hook, to get that heart on on board first. And the way that you do that, what people want to know when it comes to a, a marketing message, or ultimately at the heart of what it is that that we're doing, is we're letting them know that. We've got a different way for you to get the result that you want. In other words, what becomes emotionally exciting to people is that is, is to be able to say for the first time, like, right, you really can experience X, Y, Z. And I've got I want to tell you about a different way, a new way for you to get XYZ, a way that allows you to eat all the food you want, not exercise, right, like eat all the junk food, right? Blah blah blah. Not burn calories. Quick and still Question right lose.
0: there. So not necessarily faster, better, cheaper, but different.
1: Um. Well, diff the the different way. Yeah. So let's put cheaper aside because when you talk about cheaper. Uh, you got to be careful that you're not starting to talk about the product, right? Like if you, if you were talking about, right, like this normally would cost you, you know, 3000 and it's only going to cost you 300 now, but yet different it's different. And this different way um, will either give you faster results, easier results, safer results, more consistent results, um, require less work on your part or whatever. Yeah, so different, it's different, in it's different and this different way will give you either faster, safer, um, right? doesn't have to be all of those, but you have to, like, look, let, let's take a step back for one second. So number one, it's important for everybody to understand that what prospects look for is the superior solution, right? Nobody goes to Google and searches for the third best way to lose weight. Right. Nobody wants to know the third. What's the third best time management system? Nobody wants that. Nobody wants the third best way of managing setting up your your LMS. Nobody wants that. They want the best way. What's the best way to lose weight? Or what's the fastest way to lose weight? Or what's the safest way to lose weight? Or what's the most consistent way to lose weight? All of those things, fastest, um, easiest, um, safest, most consistent, all of those imply superiority. The fastest implies superiority in terms of speed not necessarily ease not necessarily safe safety not necessarily um consistency but in speed it can it conveys superiority the easiest doesn't necessarily convey superiority in speed or safety but it conveys superiority in terms of ease if we said the fastest and easiest now we're conveying superiority in speed and ease not necessarily safety right and so my point though is that different It's different and it's superior in some area or areas. And so, yeah, we're letting them know that, right? Like, because- People don't buy different just for different sake, right? Like it doesn't matter that this is, you know, this is different in that it's got a blue cover and, you're, and all the others have a red cover. They only care about different when it comes with a, an element of superiority, like right? a benefit to them. And that benefit is this is either easier, it's faster, it's safer, it's more predictable, it's more consistent. There's got to be some superiority there or why should they buy it, right? Like, or why should they buy it? Does that make sense? That does make sense. One more piece
0: before we shift into another part. Uh, Where does trust fit into this? If we have like in terms of, you know, you've got their attention, then how do you earn their trust in this E5 method?
1: Yeah. And so what I would say is that I would say it a little bit of a different way. So what I would say is. In the E5 method, in between the lead and the campaign argument, in between the lead and proving what makes the mechanism superior, there is what we call a credibility chunk. And the credibility chunk is typically very brief. It is typically anywhere from two to three sentences max. And really, the credibility chunk is just there to answer one question. And that is, why should I listen to you on this topic? Right like who are you to tell me about weight loss or growing a green lawn or who are you to tell me about you know time management or you know learning management system or something like that like who are you to tell me about any of that and so that's the only question that we're trying to answer in the in that cred- credibility chunk that's the only purpose of the credibility chunk it's not to give our full bio our full cv or resume or anything like that it's just to answer the question of why should i listen to you which is why it only has to be 2 to 3 um 2 to 3 sentences and so that's the credibility of why you should listen to me when it comes to trust, the way that I would uh, art- articulate it is that what we don't want to do and what we avoid with the E5 method is doing anything that breaks that trust. Meaning doing it, we don't do anything that would demonstrate we're not trust- trustworthy. And, and that goes back to when we make a claim, we always give evidence support or proof for that. So we're letting the argument demonstrate the trustworthiness because when we, when we make a claim, we're backing it up with evidence. The thing to, to recognize is that, you know, there is always going to be minimal trust when you are marketing or communicating with a cold prospect that just saw an ad, clicked on the ad, and now is reading or listening or watching a uh, a marketing message. And so, what we're going to do is, when we're not going to just expect that they're going to trust us and accept our our message at face value, we're going to prove it to them. Like so, that's why we refer to it as a campaign argument similar to the way that a prosecutor presents an argument proving that the defendant is guilty they don't expect the jury just to trust them because they say the dude's guilty or right the dude out of motive or the dude's violent right anybody can say that they are building trust or or, or creating trust or maintaining you know some semblance of trust by when they make a claim they give proof they give evidence they give support and we're doing the same thing and so anything that like if they can question it, we have to give support and evidence for it. And does that make sense? That totally makes sense. Okay.
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears. This is kind of the last question for you is the area of you becoming an expert. Um, we I see basically people have to wear a bunch of hats. They have to be an entrepreneur. They have to be an expert technologist, community builder, instructional designer. There's all these things that an education entrepreneur needs to figure out. Uh, Your expert journey I found fascinating. You didn't come from a marketing background. Uh, Tell us, but you went all in. I mean, you're going into like the deep uh, history of marketing and copywriting and management and all this stuff. Uh, What was that like for you, like making that turn and then really just going all in when you found your calling?
1: Wow. So that's a big, a big question, man. I, I think um, some so people the don't, question?
0: I just want to say some people don't give themselves permission to like really follow that thread. You followed that thread. And then here you are on your hero's journey, returning, like trying to give back yeah. to the people. This is part of the hero's journey. What was your call to adventure and and how did you go all the way?
1: I mean, I don't know, you know, like mine, I have a crazy story that I won't get into, but I, I think like, Look, you know, I when I first came in in uh, when I first the, the first time I came in contact with direct response um, advertising, direct response marketing was almost two decades ago, uh, a little bit more than two decades ago, actually. And at the time, I, I knew nothing about the difference between advertising and marketing. I thought they were kind of the same thing. I I thought like marketing, advertising, it's what Pepsi and Home Depot does. And so I had no idea. Um, the first direct response thing that I came in contact with was a postcard when I was in the fitness industry and it was offering a course, a training program for fitness professionals on direct response. And so I was like, oh, let me check this out. Excuse me. It was promising to help, you know, get more clients, sell more clients, make more money, all that stuff. And so I, I, I asked my boss at the time, if I could, if I could expense it. And he said, yes. And I started to dive in and this was, you know, way, way better. This was, I was going through cassette tapes, right. And there was a discat, like, um, and so most of your listeners don't even know what that is. Um, and, uh, And I just fell in love with it. And I had never been a student. Like I was a terrible student in high school. I was just talking to somebody else uh, about that. I was a terrible student in high school. Um, Like, I don't think I read my first book from cover to cover until I was in my like early twenties. But once I just became fascinated by this idea that you could craft a single message that generated a sale and you could then use that single message With thousands, hundreds, tens of thousands of people, uh, hundreds of thousands of people to create sales over and over and over again, you know, automatically, like I became fascinated by that. It was almost like I discovered this opportunity that I had no idea even existed before. And so for me, that just became the start of this you know, like that's not, you know, most people think that's a green screen in back of me. That's not a green screen. Um, For those of you listening,
0: keep- there's a, there's like a library of books and there's even a ladder. So he's going to get up high to get to all the books.
1: So. Yeah, the, yeah. The ladder has a lot more to do with my height or lack of height than it does the, the height of the bookshelf, but nevertheless, um yeah. And, and I think like, look, man, I, I recognized early on, I recognized the opportunity, which I think the opportunity is even greater today. There are more paths and more opportunities online than ever before. There's more education today uh, that you could go through and learn and, and, and all that. It's easier today, thanks to software applications and whatnot, um, and pros like you teaching folks how to you know do the, do stuff with their courses and WordPress and all that. Uh, like when I got online, when I first started, there w- there was no WordPress, right? So stuff was being created. Like I remember having to figure out Microsoft Front Page, which doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. Um. It was like the dr- it was the Dreamweaver for dummies. Like, and most people don't even know what Dreamweaver is. And so, like, I, I, you know, I just I recognized the opportunity, and I recognized like. Um, there were things that I didn't know that I needed to know. And I, I just believed that if others could do it, if others could figure it out, so could I, and so, you know, I, I just became a lifelong student and still am. And so I don't know if that helps or answers the question, but I think that, you know, like, look, I, I think there are a lot of people, man, it, it amazes me that there are a lot of people that give up because they don't know something. And I, it just baffles me because I'm like, I, I wants no joke. I think there's a video on YouTube uh, on, on our channel of me showing somebody talk talking about how they they decided that they weren't gonna like they they were stuck, they couldn't move ahead with their business, something like that, because they couldn't figure out how to turn like a JPEG into a PNG, right? Like a, a file format. No joke. And I show in this video somewhere, I don't remember where it is, but I show this comment of this person saying this, like, and I'm just like, are you serious? Like, right. Like, are you serious that that's, that's going to be when your grandchild asks you one day, you know, grandpa, grandma, why didn't you, why didn't you launch your business? Why didn't you succeed in your business? Are you going to, you're really going to feel comfortable saying it's because I couldn't figure out how to turn a JPEG into a PNG like figure it out. Others have before you do some digging, do some work. I remember when I first launched my business, man, I had two toddlers at home. We were talking about our two or I think I might have had my one daughter at, at my one daughter. Um, and then later, my, my other daughter came along uh, and I'm working in the mornings. I'm working at night. I'm working on the, the, the weekends and I'm working a full time job. And so you do what you, you know, you do what you got to do. That's, That's awesome. my rant. That's my rant, man. So here's Todd. This is 20 years
0: later. He's back. The purpose of this podcast is to condense decades into days. And really, it's it's not this episode. It's Todd's work. If you go to e5bundle.com, his best stuff is in there. Check it out. Uh, e5bundle.com. Any final words for the people or anywhere else they can find you online, Todd?
1: Uh, no, that's, I, I think that's a perfect spotty five bundle is just a crazy, uh, crazy, uh, bunch of stuff that they can go through. That'll give them a really solid understanding of, of what we talked about much more in depth. My book. Um, I think the only final words that, that I would share, man, is, is kind of what I, what I already said, just to reiterate, uh, just a little differently. And that is that, you know, that, um, you know, don't, don't look at, the the gurus or the people that you know you see as at the the top of their field and think they brought something to the table that you don't have that they had connections or they had innate intelligence wisdom genius they you know like they've got something that I don't because that's absolutely not the case you've got to remember that I'll, I'll tell you that and I know and work with and have clients students that are the best of the best. Most of them, myself included, are not intellectual giants by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I almost didn't graduate high school. I it took me six years to get a four year degree, uh, which has nothing to do with business or marketing. Um, in sixth grade, I was diagnosed with a learning disability. I've actually showed proof of that um, online. And most of my most of my friends and clients and students that are wildly successful, I would say, fall into some capacity into that same area the top 1% at one point were the bottom 1%. At one point the the people that know know it all right now at one point at one point knew nothing and we're just getting started. And so if we can do it you can do it. You just have to decide up front that you're going to commit to it and make it a reality. And expect that you are going to come across obstacles and and uh, and roadblocks and struggles. Everybody does. It's normal, but keep going, keep moving forward. And if you if you're willing to do that, you can reach anything.
0: And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.